Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Inside Fantasy Sports Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening to us, this is the Inside Fantasy Sport Podcast. I am your host, Rob Kennedy, Supercoach Hawk, sitting here with my good friend, the big horse, Mickey Dell. How are you, mate? Robbie, going well and looking forward to an exciting round of footy. It's finals time. And for those viewers at home, because I love throwing out stats, Essendon have not been this high on the ladder since round 17, 2003. He's up and about. So, like a true reporter, you're up when and they about. Say, when they say the lid is off, like the old uh, standard squeeze, <laughs> it's coming off. Love it. I like your excitement, mate. I like your enthusiasm. I'm sitting here having a bit of a late night in my office, as people can see by the difference of the background, but I'm excited. I've got to get into this because I've got some decisions to make. There's a few big players mm-hmm. out. There's a few middle-sized players out as well. And people have to start making some decisions. Are we holding? Are we folding? Are we buying? Mm. Are we selling? What are we doing? So we're here to answer some of those questions on top of uh, who are you putting the VC on? Who are you putting the C on? And there's a couple of those decisions to be made as well, especially with the Thursday night, Friday night look that we have. When you Mm -hmm. start with a Sydney versus Bulldogs, it's a mouth-watering decision for who you could possibly put your VC on or is it one that you hold until later in this week? Is anyone grabbing you in this game, mate? Yeah, look, yes and no. I really like the idea of a VC on Bont, given that you've got Parker, you've got Goulden, you've got Mills. Yeah, they're good players, but they're not the size of Bont. So I feel like even if they play a, a tight tag on him or someone following him around, he's still going to get a fair bit of the ball and the ball is going to get his contested. So... I like a VC option on Bond, but I'll throw it to you. If you've got minimal cash in the bank, you've got a couple of trades that you've got to do. You've got Sheldrick there who's out this week. You're at the Stock Exchange and you see Callum Mills at such a low price. If you've got a money full of pocket, are you buying shares in Callum Mills this week? Yeah, I'm absolutely buying shares in him. He he made me nervous last week. He took a little while to get going. I brought him in last week, so I, I made the buy at that price. It was too good not to. We're looking at a guy that's down 215000 from where he started for multiple reasons and not performance reasons because of injuries and certain things that came up at yeah. certain break-even components. So we're looking at a seasoned professional. He's Three-round average now is 94. That's enough for me to go at 427,000. That's that's you're bringing in a primo for an absolute mid-price price. price. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I'm 100% jumping on board. Um, I'm already there. If people haven't, he's coming into my side. Since he came back from that injury in uh, round nine, uh, he's gone 77, eased his way in against West Coast, and they and they monitored his minutes and even subbed him off. He had 106 against Geelong at the SCG, and he's gone a 99 against Richmond. He's coming mm-hmm. into my side. If I know a lot of people have burnt trades, but he's he's a must bring in and allows you other options with your minimal trades that you have left. Yep. And if you're looking for left field options this week as well, Sydney generally um, allow opposition backmen, running backmen, to score fairly well as well. So if you're looking at a a pod Bailey Dale or Caleb Daniel, I think you could go pretty well there. We know that the Western Bulldogs have a really nice run home as well. So they've got Sydney, Essendon, GWS, Richmond at Marvel, Hawthorne and West Coast. 
So you're talking about one team in the top eight, Essendon. And I know I said the lid's off, but I don't believe that Essendon's a top four team. That's a really soft run home. So when you're looking at the likes of English, Bont, Libba, Dale, I wouldn't touch Bailey Smith. He looks that far out of form. He couldn't find yeah. water out of a boat. But, you know, there's there's so many options with the Western Bulldogs with their run home. Yeah, I wouldn't be touching them. The, the other thing about it, if we talk about it from a fantasy standpoint, they're teams that allow for high scoring. That's so their right. team, they're, they're run and gun. Like, you know, Essendon are giving away points. Hawthorne bleed away points. West Coast bleed away points just because they're pathetic. Um, they're teams that you can score high. So someone like a Bulldogs, where if we go back to nearly episode one, mate, when we talk about the Brisbane's and the Bulldogs who score big and spread them across, you're 100% that these are the teams that you should be starting to look into to finish yeah. your season. I'm going to flip the switch over to Sydney though, mate. If we're looking at a VC option, one that I'm a bit nervous of, and you shouldn't be if you start saying things like his last four rounds are 111, 164, 124, and 143. But I'm not putting the VC on Goulden, and I'll tell you why. He's also scored against decent sides at the at ESCG. St Kilda, he only got a 62. Carlton, he only got a 93. I'm still not sold that he's going to go out there and definitely give me that lock score that I need, especially when I have like a Melbourne and Brisbane on Friday night, and I even have uh, the possibility of putting on a VC on Dacos as the first game on Saturday morning. Yes, spot on. Good call. Yep, 100%. I've got Goulden. I've slapped the VC on him a couple of times this year, and both times I have were against St Kilda and Carlton. So he's kind of burnt me from that point of view, but love having him purely because he's got such a high ceiling. Oh, yeah, love having him. And if he gets a big score, I'll take it, but he's just not the risk I'm going to take with my VC this week. And look, he'll probably go out, have an absolute rip snorter, but we'll see how they go. Hopefully. Um, See, and exactly, I'm holding on to Jake Lloyd. So Jake Lloyd's going to be going onto my bench this week. He's only missing one more from all accounts. Concussion, he'll miss the one week. I'm also putting, uh, as we move into the next game, which is uh, Melbourne versus Brisbane, I'm putting Dunkley on my bench. I feel like he's only going to miss one more game. I don't think you can burn those trades when you feel comfortable they're only missing one week. Everything we're seeing is people being rested. We're seeing people being out for injuries. We're seeing people getting one week's like a Caleb Sarong tackle. You can't be burning trades with primos that are just for out for one week. Just like we said in buy rounds, mate, holding your trades to the end is what's probably going to get you to jump into that top 5% when everybody starts deleting app who went big early. Yep, for sure. So you're talking about uh, the Melbourne-Brisbane game with Dunkley. I'm still holding Dunkley as well. I'm with you. But if you've got the trades to burn and you're patient early to start with, McCluggage has fitted into Dunkley's role yeah. last week and done fairly well and has scored fairly well the last three or four weeks too. So when you're looking at a McCluggage-Neil combo inside there with Brisbane, Melbourne aren't playing that well. And then on the other side of things, I want to bring up two pottish-type players that I believe could play well this week and uh, moving forward as well. Angus Brayshaw, he's moved into Clayton Oliver's role inside and has been averaging about 100. I picked him up fairly early at when he dropped to about 410K, so I'm pretty happy with him. Christian Salem is one I want to throw to you. So with Brayshaw moving into the midfield, Christian Salem's now that player that they're going to for that ball use out of the back line, along with so Stephen May and these sorts of players. They're intercept defenders. Christian Salem's the one that they're trying to get the ball in the hands of to use it outside of D50. Yeah, I love the Christian Salem call. He was going to be the guy that I was going to pick round one. 
Um, he obviously didn't come up and get through his preseason with the injuries that he had. He was going to be that little bit of a mid-price because his price was actually quite low because of the footy yeah. that he had missed and things like that. So he 100% was going to be my round one pick. Um, on top of that, because he wasn't picked, I was going to have – I picked Angus Brayshaw, who I thought would take that role, but he took a little while to get going. So don't mind that call at all. I think you could do a lot worse than a Christian Salem off halfback for Melbourne. I think Melbourne are going to get a bit of a firecracker up their ass and need to get moving. Mm-hmm. Um, he's classy. For super coach, I really like him. He has good efficiency um, by foot. Um, and you weren't wrong with your McCluggage call. I love that. He's, he's at a 127.3 average over the last three rounds. You mm-hmm. also know that when Dunkley comes back, I don't think it will affect McCluggage as much as it would like a Jared Lyons, who's been the one that's really stepped in for Dunkley. But McCluggage's numbers are going to go up, cash in on that. And then, look, I think his confidence will rise as well and he'll finish off with that All-Australian-type winger that he is. Yep. Uh, One before we do move on from here, there's talk that Grundy may be dropped this week for Melbourne. You see that. Gorn, if you've got the trades, bring him in. If no Grundy, Gorn's going large. I mean, you're spot on. I think Gorn's going large, but do you see Grundy staying out of that side for the rest of the season? No. But so I'm saying then if you if, have Gorn, cash in on it and put the VC yeah. or the captain or something on him. But sorry, I cut you off. Where, where do you see that going then? Yeah. If Melbourne win this week against Brisbane, it could potentially stick. Brisbane, genuine top three team. We know the last time they played at the G, Hawthorne smacked the pants off them. If Melbourne come out and beat them at the G without Grundy, Gorn playing a blinder, everyone being a little bit more cohesive as a unit without the two big rucks, who's not to say that this may stick for a couple of weeks? So we're running into finals. You may need the extra points. Does Gorn have that uh, mid, uh, sorry, ruck forward tag yet? He didn't get it. No, he, he, he only stayed. It. He only stayed ruck. I think he missed out just by a couple of percent. If I'm correct, yeah. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm going to double check it as we speak. But I think that would have been bigger news if he got it. No, he didn't. He's straight ruck. But you're right. And, I, and this is the other part. A few of the boys in our chat, um, we're talking a lot about who to tip, and we've talked a lot about Brisbane and their and their failings at the MCG, and it's still Melbourne. But I tell you what, I had a really good look at it, especially when Fritz comes out of that side. Their forward line is actually quite average. It's not great. When you're playing players like they're good on paper and names, but you're still relying on people like Van Royen, um, Neil Bullen, uh, Ben Brown, who I know had a history, but he's not really been the Ben Brown that we know of the past. You're relying Cosy on guys. Cosby Pick has yeah. been quiet. You're spot on. Like, so Gorn and Grundy. So you're pulling them out. It reminds me a little bit of where Frio's at, where they're now mm-hmm. in a position where on paper they look good but they're actually relying on Amos, Tracy, and Jackson to be their key forwards, three guys who are under the age of 21. It's not going to happen. You're not in a premiership window. So I'm really intrigued to see what this lineup looks like for Melbourne because they've got to find a way to kick some scores. And I wouldn't be shocked if Brisbane get up at the G against Melbourne this week. Hmm. They're primed too. We move on. Collingwood versus Fremantle. Speaking of prime... Um, Collingwood just seem like they've just got the season locked up. They are flowing nicely and playing the brand of footy that they want to play. I'm looking on better right now, and Fremantle are out to $7 in this game. That says a lot for where Fremantle's at and also where Collingwood's at, having to play at the G. But i tell you what, I didn't think Fremantle would be at $7 for this game. That's almost West Coast Eagles odds. Absolutely. Hmm. West, Coast, uh, West Coast are $7 against Richmond. 
exactly mm. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. Where's your thoughts of Collingwood? Like, who's standing out for you? Is this? I'm I'm at the point where I actually might wait and put the VC on Dacos for this game because yeah. the the GWS Madden loophole isn't until uh, late Saturday night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, geez, the Dacos boys are good. Even Josh, like I know Nick's a um, Brownlow favourite, but Josh is just so good as well with ball in hand. I feel like he'll take the the next step next year. But in Collingwood's run home, are they going to start resting players? This is my concern. I hope not. But Dacos, Dagoe, these sorts of players, they just they look really good in that system. One I do want to bring up is Darcy Cameron. He's been a little bit disappointing lately. People are talking about him being a bit of a pod, a ruck forward, yada, yada, yada. If you're looking for consistency, don't pick him. Because against a Gold Coast side a couple of weeks ago, and we'll touch on their side in a little bit, he scored a 60. And he was on 20 halfway through the third quarter in a team that won by 80 points. So if you're looking for consistency, if you're looking for those high scores at his price range, I'd be looking elsewhere. It's a really interesting one because I really wonder what Collingwood's going to do when McStay comes back. Mm. I don't – is it just – is it is it an Alex Johnson that goes out? Because I actually oh, don't think – that I don't know if the Cox – look, they're good enough that they'll get the wins on the board. So it's kind mm. of like a, a test cricketer when you're in bad form but the team's winning. You don't really get noticed because the team's going all right. I don't know if the Cox-Cameron combo is the right combo. I think McStay comes in. I think Johnson makes him a little bit more threatening and a little bit more dangerous. But look, that could be one thing that happens where maybe Cox doesn't hold his spot and then Cameron really gets that elite ruck position. Um, Look, I'm at that point where Cameron's got to stay in the side for me. But yeah, I wouldn't be rushing to go out and get him now, 100%. No. No. And from a Freo point of view, I think Luke Ryan will go really large this week. I think the ball will be inside their D50 a lot. Brayshaw will play Sarong's role as the inside mid and will get a lot of possessions. So I'd probably be looking at overs for both of those for possessions. And Sean Darcy against the Darcy-Cameron-Mason-Cox combo, I feel like he'll score fairly well from a super coach point of view. But I anticipate Collingwood plus six goals this game. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't think Frio can put enough of a score on the board. Like I was saying before, I just don't think – I rate their young forwards. I think they're going to be great in a two-, three-, four-year window, and you've got to keep putting games under their belt, but not against his side, not with the Darcy Moore and the, and the likes of how Collingwood are setting up. To answer your question really quickly, though, I think Collingwood will rest in players, but I think it'll be more the the Pendlebury types. Pendlebury will get a rest maybe somewhere. I can't see the Dacos is getting a rest. Uh, I can't – as much as Nick has the very good media nouse – He's got a yeah. Brownlow to win, and I don't think he'll want to be rested. You miss one game, you lose a Brownlow by one vote. Poof, tell you what. But I mean, if, look, if it means resting in one game versus potentially getting suspended for a shit tackle that they seem yeah. to be calling these days. Yeah. yeah. You never know. You never know. You're right. No, you on. You're spot on. We move on to a Gold Coast versus St Kilda at Heritage Bank Stadium. Uh, you know, the news of the week, obviously, with Stewie Jew getting uh, the marching orders. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on this one. But my simple statement to you is surely they've got Dimmer locked in or you don't make a move like that. Thoughts? I fucking hate what the Gold Coast management did to Stuart Jew. It's it's such a dick move. You come out publicly back at him saying we've given him a contract, he's going to be here, we're locking him in, and then the next week he's gone. That club is not in a premiership window. I believe that he's coached them well. 
if you look at some highlights throughout the last few weeks and games where they have been pumped, it's of no fault of the structure. Players are dropping marks. Players are missing targets. And therefore, Stewie Joe has no effect on that. So I feel like this week is going to be a statement game for Gold Coast. They're going to feel, especially the players, pretty ordinary within themselves because of what's happened. I think Gold Coast win this week. I think it's a big danger game for St Kilda. But when we're talking about Gold Coast players this week, it's a big watch because whenever a new coach comes in, he's going to throw the magnets around. He's going to have his own perspective as to what he believes is going to work and what hasn't worked in the past. We've already seen Elijah Hollands, who got dropped in round three. He's straight back in, even though his VFL form hasn't been that great. So when you're looking at Gold Coast plays in the next couple of weeks, I'd hold purely because you just don't know what they're doing on the ground just yet. Interesting to see what he do with Lukosius. I mean, Lukosius is always the one that's been he's talking about it. Yeah. He's got to stay forward now. I think he's found his craft. I don't think he'll mess around with it too much, but you're spot on. There's always They've got to bring in their nows and, and what they look at. Um, you still didn't quite you, – you, you're not too bad on the media training as well. Is Dimmer going to be the coach of Gold Coast next year? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think – I'll tell you what was the biggest faux pas was yeah. the bloody diagram that the Gold Coast Suns came out with. It made it look like it was a bloody memorial for Stuart Jew with the old sunset in the background. I'll tell you what. He's, he's still alive. Yeah. I, know, I know the bloke's as big as a house, but he's still alive. Oh, he's still so, getting paid. But, yeah, no, I, I think he's very much a player's coach, and I think there'll be a yeah. few players here that'll be quite upset by that decision. So hopefully oh, they come out and have a ripper. Um, yeah. I, I think I think Stewie G finds another job. Will it be a head Absolutely. coaching job? I don't know, but I think he finds another job for sure. Yeah, he's, he's too um, good at, at that player management, as you just said, to not be working in the AFL. So good luck to Stewie. Hopefully he finds a successful role elsewhere and shove it straight up that Evans bloke's ass. I'll never forget his third quarter. What a ripper. Stewie oh, G with the nice. big quads. Yeah. Uh, in that grand final. Um, Carlton versus Port Adelaide. This is a very interesting game. Uh, Carlton mm. obviously finding a little bit of form again. We know Port Adelaide have their streak at Marvel Stadium, which is uh, quite a fanatical one. Um, who's your thoughts in this game? I, I, I find it hard to go past Port with the way they're playing, and I, don't, I still don't trust where the Blues are really at. But um, the bookies have this one quite tight. Do you have it as tight as them, or are you thinking it's uh, Port Adelaide's streak continue? No, I do. Trent McKenzie out with an ankle. Port Adelaide talking about resting as much as five players this weekend. So when you're looking at that point of view and then you're looking from a Carlton point of view that, um, you know, you've got Mackay, you've got Kerno, they're starting to hit form. Um, you've got a midfield of Walsh, Cripps, Hewitt's back in now. Uh, Kennedy's out, but started to play all right. Um, Sard's starting to get a little bit more of the ball. I think they're starting to click a little bit now, even though they don't have a ruck. I anticipate that this is going to be closer than what people think. If Port rests there up to five players, which include Butters, from what I'm hearing, um, I think Carlton will beat them, purely because of the player management approach that Port Adelaide are bringing to the table. But I'm going to throw it to you. Have you held Crips? Because I feel like their next... The last two or three weeks have played really well. Him and Walsh especially are really starting to get in sync. I think at the back end of the year, you could pick up some primo players at a discounted price there. Yeah, Cripps was a just – it ended up being a must-hold for me. I looked at it from a stock exchange point of view, which was he dropped so low when you actually look to what you could get in for him. 
it just seems stupid to do so. So, and I've actually made, in a sense, made the right decision because at the point that I was going to do it, which was after the Essendon game where he scored a 58, he'd had what, one, two, three, four, five, six under 90 in a row. But then I just looked at his value at somewhere around 456,000 and went, there's no point. This guy has got to bounce back. He's a Brownlow medalist. He has the ability mm-hmm. to brace out. And since then, he's gone 117, 104, and 118 against Gold Coast, Hawthorne, and Fremantle. So for me, it was a must-hold um, because of the price. Um, so look, hopefully he's rewarding me back a little bit. Um, he'll be a player that I'll never pick again. Um, it'll be mm-hmm. a player that I'll never pick again. I really wish I went back to that point. I'll never forget. I actually don't remember who said it. But I was going to go with Zach Merritt over a Paddy Cripps and somebody told me I was boring. And I listened to Twitter a little bit too much in before round one that Zach Merritt's boring and I wish I went it, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, I'm holding Cripps. I think he's a a strong contender still to finish strong at the price he's at. I'm not making those moves now. Um, Too good a player with too big of an upside to hold on to. But look, if he gets me over a ton, I always get excited. But I'm very wary he might stay under. Um, but I, mate, I love the looks of Adam Chera. I love the looks of Sam yeah. Walsh. Um, they're the ones having a good season. Doherty's starting to find a little bit of form again and start looking a little bit better off the back line. But yeah, he's a must hold for me now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you answered my question about Butters, so we'll, we'll move on. Uh, Geelong versus your boys at GMHBA. Um, what are you looking out for in this game? Geelong, where are they at? In your opinion, where are they at? Where are their players at? I've brought in Tom Stewart this week for mm-hmm. um, Sheldricks. Um, yep. Made that move. Had a nice little upgrade. Had some serious coin in the bank, uh, cash in the bank. And I've still got 103000 sitting there after the trade. And I love the look of him now sitting in my back line. Yeah, really smart. He's got four of seven games left for the season down at GMHBA Stadium too. And we know that he averages 111 down there. So it's a, that's a really nice pickup. Uh, Essendon, I think, will struggle down there. Geelong are really good at home. Geelong are Essendon's bogey team. So I don't anticipate that we'll play that well down there, even though we have been playing well of late. Sneaky pod, especially for this week, Mark Blitzabs. Yeah. Essendon don't have a Ruckman, and the, the Ruckman that they're bringing in is Nick Bryan, drafted in 2019. He's played eight senior games. He's been dominating at VFL level. We know how much of a jump to AFL it is for the VFL boys. And with his running ability, I feel like he could really get off the leash and be damaging forward of centre. Uh, but when we're talking about Essendon players, super coach wise Zachy Merritt, like we said early on, starts the season slow, comes on really strong. 160-odd last week, was it? Like, he was just amazing. Yep. Um, 670,000 now in super coach. So he's uber premium when you're talking about your top five players, but I feel as a resident supporter, he's really taken the extra step this year and good luck to him in his 200th this weekend as well. Yeah. He's always a chance now to put the C on him. They use him. They look for him. They give him the football anytime he, he asks for it. That's a big thing that I look out for. There's certain players that just ask for the footy and it doesn't even look like the right option or it's just a chip kick across, but no matter what the player does it. It's, it's an interesting one. I think Zach Merritt's definitely one of those players Mate, from a Mark Blickfast standpoint, I've been saying it for a while now. We've been talking about this on this pod. He's got this mid-ruck dual, dual position, which was always quite appealing to me. Um, you're spot on. In his last six rounds, he's gone 114, 106, 84, 111, 91, and 104. 
He's consistently putting up strong numbers. He's going in a bit of the ruck role. Then he goes into his midfield role and he just goes and gets the footy around the ground. So you could do a lot worse than a Mark Lickvast to finish off your season sitting on 516,000. Um, he puts up good numbers and he just gives you that consistency. If people are looking at, I'd especially say it from a head-to-head uh, league standpoint, when you're going to finals and this person's pretty much averaging you tons and he's sitting in 3% of teams. It's not a That's bad shout. Mm. Um, we move on. We've got a couple of games to go. Um, so for me, yeah, VC there. Uh, captaincy, the only one I'd be looking at is Zachy Merritt. We go to Adelaide at GWS, and this is where the choices get interesting. I'm thinking if Dacos doesn't come through for me with the VC, Tom Stewart was one that I was going to look at against the Bombers. Or, again, it's hard to look past Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval when you've got the likes of Rory Laird and Zach Dawson sitting in your side against a team like GWS who run and gun. Yeah, this, this will be quite an entertaining game, I reckon. It'll, it'll be similar to the North Melbourne-Adelaide game from a couple of weeks ago, except GWS will stick with them for longer, I reckon. Adelaide at home, too good. The likes of Keys, Laird, Dawson. I've highlighted Walker this week as well in that lead-up forward role. He's really come on the last sort of five or six weeks as well, scoring really well, which included his double ton. Uh, for those that don't have cogs from GWS, he's sort of, he was really inconsistent early on, but the last four weeks, 119, 86, 112, 103, pretty consistent. You know, he's not going to get you your uber premium scores, but if you're looking for someone solid up forward at around 510K, I believe he is, it's, it's not a bad shout. Himmelberg getting a lot of the ball, just not scoring that well, but he is in his defensive role. So what I'm saying is if he does use it well, drops in the hole in front of Fogarty and the likes while Tex is uh, leading up the ground, he could potentially score really large this week as well. Isn't it funny how times change a little bit too? So back in the day when Hawthorne were up and about, you look at someone, a team coming up against Hawthorne, even when they were great, and you picked your, your captaincy against Hawthorne because Hawthorne didn't tag. Hawthorne tag now. What was your take on Josh Kelly? Seven disposals and a 23 super coach score last week. That's probably one of the better tagging jobs I've seen. That's Ryan Crowley-esque. Yeah. It's a massive, it was a massive effort in a game that we lost. Um, and uh, yeah, so it just shows people will see that even though GWS still got up in the game, I think it will be one that definitely people take a look at. One that I'm finding quite interesting at the moment from a GD, uh, GWS standpoint as well is I think I think Tom Green's starting to get a little bit tired and I don't mind it. And I'll tell you why I don't mind it is because I don't have him and I actually reckon he'll be one of the first I pick next year. So mm-hmm. I think if he can slow down a little bit like he is, he's gone uh, since round 11. He's had a 95, an 89, a 77. He had two good scores, a 127 and 128, and he had a 73 last week against Hawthorne. I know it's not horrendously bad. He just seems to be slowing down from that guy who was that consistent ton uh, to start the season. Um, yeah, he just looks a little bit tired, and we know it's a tough role being that inside bull for a whole season, and he's been doing it quite well. Um, so maybe we see him just slow down a little bit for the season to finish out. Yeah, I think he's a victim of the GWS game plan as well. If he doesn't get the ball inside, he's not scoring super coach wise because of their run and gun style. He's more of a plotter. He's not one that gets on the outside and burns people off. So you'll see when the conditions suit, he scores well. But when it's open and running, doesn't really score that well. Second last game playing for the number two draft pick is North Melbourne versus Hawthorne at Marvel Stadium. Um, 
What's your take on Sheasel now? So obviously Sheasel's the one being looked at. He's sitting in, you know, he's been traded out uh, 4.2% of teams. He's been traded by 2,972 teams. Only had a score of 65 last week. Um, and that was even with Zebel out, albeit he came in quite early in the game. Where's your where's Harry Sheasel sitting with you and, and what should people do with him? I'm holding. Why? Because Zebel was subbed in to really stem the bleeding. Like they were getting absolutely murdered in the uh in the midfield last week and just needed some seniority down back, especially with Logue doing his ACL. Needed some help down there. I th- I think they stick with Sheasel down back as their ball user. I can I can see them as in North Melbourne using Zebel as the sub again or in a modified role to allow Zebel to be that run and carry to be the kick out person. So for me it's an educated risk in holding him as I still have trades but I believe against Hawthorne this week at Marvel we know it's going to be dry. I think it'll be quite close. I think it'll be not a bad game but Zebel to score well. I'm going to throw it to you though. Sicily is he back this week? They haven't named it, but I think he's meant to be back, isn't he? Yeah, he's one hundred percent back. Yeah, so look, so yeah, against the suspension, yeah. it wasn't an injury. Does he go into the back line? I think so. I think he has to. I think Will Day will just go back into that midfield role. Sicily will play his role down back. Um, yeah, yeah. So he'll, mm. I think, look for him to have a big one. He'll want to come out of the gate strong for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's not really anyone else that I'm looking at here. Uh, LDU, I think, will be the one that gets tagged. Yep. You are to limit his effectiveness. Uh, there's not really anyone else for me. No, the other one is, I mean, we, we mentioned his name quite a lot, is John Newcomb. He's another one I'll be continually looking at for next year. He's just finding ways to score tons. He's their man now. So since round nine, 117, 118, 102, had a 53 when we got smashed by Port, had a 102, a 103, a 72 against Carlton, and a 115. He just is sort of like starting to look like that Tom Green type again, yep. just consistently getting that uh, that inside ball. He's had now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten tons and a 99 this season. So Beautiful. he's starting to become that real consistent player. And we've talked about it before, having those consistent players and then those ones with high ceilings that you've got to sort of mix in and take their low ones when they come. But, yeah, he's having a great year. The other one that's having a great year is, um, is Connor Nash. I just, um, for a guy that's sort of rejuvenated himself, found a bit of a role on the team, he kind of plays a a loose tag. So he definitely tags at the stoppages, um, which I think is good because I don't think he has that natural creativity coming from Ireland and playing a different game. But he continually just finds a way to get a few 90s and 80s, not quite fantasy relevant yet, but um, I think he's more fantasy than than super coach just because of his efficiencies. But it should be an interesting game. should be a really interesting game to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. For you know, for two teams that are sitting down near the bottom. Uh, speaking of the bottom, West Coast against Richmond here at Optus Stadium. Bit of a crappy game for us to finish off a podcast, mate. But uh, yeah. what do you look? West Coast have a few players back from what I heard today on the radio. Shuey should be back. Hearn should be back. There's about four or five other guys who are, are up for pickings. I don't think it makes much of a difference to this game. But what's your thoughts? I think it'll be closer than what people think this week. Richmond, no Nankervis, no seniority in the ruck. So they're going to run with Samson Ryan, I believe, this week. A combination with Soldo, him. Soldo's and... not coming in? Who's that, sorry? Will Soldo come in? Ivan Soldo? Haven't haven't heard. 
haven't okay. heard. But even if he does, how much senior footy has he played this year? No, yeah, like, absolutely. There's not that yep. much there. So, yep. Uh, I, th- I think it'll be close. I think Richmond will win, but I think it'll be like it's not going to be 150 points smashing. Um, the definition of a roller coaster. You look it up in the dictionary, and a bloke's name that's beside that would be Shy Bolton. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. Have a look at So yeah. here we go. So 92, 139, 120, 77, 151, 56, 63, 158. So he, his highs are making you explode all over the place. His lows, and you want to stare at the bottom of a bottle. You know, so what are you going to do? Like, for people out there that are looking for that home run hit, do you take a risk? So I'll say this, and we talked about this a lot when we were talking tactically, and this was probably like my new approach this year, which has probably hurt me a little bit, and I learned from it as we go on, which was you and I said we're going to set teams to try and win the whole thing rather than set a team that's going to try and win a head-to-head league. He's the kind of guy that you actually put in your team if you're trying to maybe win the whole thing. Because when you actually look at his five-game average, he's still on a 101. Mm-hmm. So you actually show that he can, like, if you know, if you pick someone like a Shy Bolton and he ends the season with an average of 103, you take it. The problem is, is if you're going into finals in a head-to-head league and you got Shy Bolton putting up a 56, I just think it will kill you. And then the mm-hmm. next week you'll look at your score and you probably beat the guy that would have won the grand final because he puts up a 153. Do you know what I mean? So for me, if I'm in a head-to-head and that's my focus, he's not my guy. But if I'm looking to maybe make a push from top 10% to top 5%, he's possibly somebody that could take you over that line, especially because they're playing West Coast and Hawthorne the next two weeks. They also get Bulldogs and North Melbourne in a little bit of a run home. So he's he's probably primed to put up some big scores. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, they've, they've got a really favourable run home. I like that. Goodbye, you. Dustin Mann's another one that seems to be popping up in people's trades this week. He's had He's been brought into 1,666 teams, uh, which is 2.4% of the trades. Um, he had a, And I think people are maybe just jumping on the 131 that he had last week. Um, for me, it's still a not touch. But again, for the exact same reasons we just said about Shy, they've got a pretty good run, so maybe he gets up and about, especially when finals is back on the cards for Richmond to possibly reach, um, which would be a massive achievement from where they were sitting. Yeah. If finals weren't in reach, he'd be getting rested, wouldn't he? So yep. the fact that they need percentage, they need a big win this week, yeah, I can see why people are bringing him in, but, yeah, not for me. So to wrap it up, mate, uh, what are you doing with your teams, trades, outs and ins? And then currently as it stands, and I know we haven't seen all the teams, we're doing this just before all the teams have been announced. Uh, Where do you think you're sitting with your VC and your C this week? Uh, So VC this week will be on Bontempelli into C. I'm going early with him. C into Dacos for me. But trades-wise, I've got two trades left. Uh, I'm sitting not too bad with players. I've just, we're, as we know, we've been killed this year with injury and suspension. But with this week, I've got the luxury of being able to put Sheasel on field and rest Dunkley. Yep. Um, I don't have Lloyd. I don't have Nan Curvis. I don't have Oliver. So I'm pretty, ha- don't have Sheldrick. So I've got players that will play. 
Yep. No, I'm the same. So I've got, I've just done the one trade this week. I had three trades going into this week. Um, for me, I had to make one move, especially with all the cash sitting there. So Sheldrick's gone for me for Tom Stewart. Like I said earlier in the pod, I'm still holding Jake Lloyd. I'm still holding Josh Dunkley, but I've still got a stacked midfield. My probably weakest player in my midfield is like an Ashcroft and a Callum Mills. So that's not too bad. My weakest forward is a Harry Sheasel. Uh, my back line does look a little bit weaker with like a Wilmot and a Seamus Mitchell still sitting there, but they've actually been putting up some decent numbers. Um, yeah. But I'm lucky enough that I've still got the likes of Harvey on the back line. He looked pretty good. He's going to get some minutes to finish on the bench. He's on the bench. Noah Long's on the bench. Um, and as I said, Constable Mayo. Constable's one we didn't mention. May get a pick with the new coach. So we'll see how he goes. But yeah, I feel pretty good about where my team is sitting. Um, I've still got 103K in the bank. Dunkley should come back in. Lloyd should come back in. That should bolster everything back up. And then I've got two trades there with 103K to, to cover what I need. Um, for me, I'm looking at, at the moment, will be VC on Dacos against Fremantle at the MCG. And then I think I will look to possibly put the C on Jordan Dawson um, against GWS at the Adelaide Oval if the conditions allow for it. Yeah. The only thing that scares me about that C call is is it McDonald who tags or McGuinness that tags for Hawthorne? No, no, they're playing GWS. Oh, they're playing GWS. Well, then disregard what I just said. Go nuts. <laughs> no, nah, you're spot on. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. I wouldn't do it against Hawthorne. You're spot on. Good call. Uh, but- mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. We wish everyone the best this weekend. Be smart with your trades. Don't do any little sideways trades that you yeah. don't need to. Hold on to them because I guarantee you, if you're just chasing maybe 40 or 50 points this week, you will get that back when everybody deletes app with about four rounds to go. That's Your final right. thoughts, so, mate? Yep, standard squeeze. Great bunch of lads have been very good to us and are very happy with the way our community have gotten around them. So we've got it up in the top, well, for me, left-hand corner here. Inside 15 for 15% off all the gear. It's a fantastic product. We love it. And for us, there's some exciting things coming for our brand. So for our viewers, our subscribers, get on board the Discord Get on board YouTube. The NBA is just starting to heat up. Wembenyana, the hottest thing since sliced bread. There's a lot of good, intelligent conversation going on about the NBA. We're going to have some mock drafts coming up. The BBL is coming up. It's an exciting time for the Insight Fantasy Sports podcast team. Dare I say, we're starting to turn into a bit of an Insight podcast network but we'll see what happens with all that many options so look out for it you've summed it up extremely well i'm not going to add any more to that thank you for your time thank you listeners make sure you click subscribe until next time this has been the inside fantasy sport podcast peace out see ya